Good morning. Uh, this morning I'd wa- I want us to concentrate on a, a small section of scripture taken from the end of John chapter 10. And it acts to some extent as a kind of bridge uh, between the events of chapter 9, the healing of the blind man, and what is about to take place in chapter 11, uh, the bereavement of the family, the death of, of Lazarus, and then his, his resurrection. And the verse that really comes into play to this uh, extent is verse number 28, where the Lord Jesus says, And I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So today we're really going to be talking about one main thing, and it's the idea of the security, uh, the confidence that a believer has in their salvation in Christ, their shepherd. What's being said here about the shepherd is something a wee bit different from what already has been explained. It's something that the prophet Isaiah, generations before, had predicted in chapter 40 and verse 11, where he writes about the Messiah. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And he's picturing uh, the tenderness, the the personal touch of the shepherd as he gathers up the lambs into his arms, pressing them against his bosom, holding them uh, in his hands. But at the same time, that is also conveying a sense of strength and confidence and security as far as the sheep, as the flock, are concerned. They're, they're in his hands, and no one, but no one, is going to be able to snatch them out of his hands. And of course, there are many who try to do that. This is an analogy, of course, but, but Paul picks up on this in Acts 20. He's called the elders of the church at Ephesus, and he's, he's giving them some instruction, and he warns them, about the need to be vigilant in their work as, as elders, looking after God's, God's people, God's flock, because he says that out of your own numbers, there are going to come ravenous wolves who will, who will devour the flock. And so you will have to be vigilant. You'll have to watch yourselves and to watch those who are under your care from this point of view. But what's being said here is this, there is a shepherd, and although these these wolves might try to rip to pieces the people of God, there is someone who will hold them fast. The grip, the strength of the shepherd is greater than anyone or, or anything else. The word snatch actually is a very strong word, it's a, it's a forcible, it's a, it's a violent word that's being used here. It's actually the same word that is used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 about the catching away, the snatching away of the church when when Christ returns. You remember that verse that talks about then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, will be snatched up. That's the same word, this violent thing that will take place when Christ returns for his people. But in this sense, No matter the force of snatching the attempt, no one will be able to do that for those who are in the hands of the shepherd. 
It's an illustration of this I quite like actually from 2 Samuel 24 where it talks about the, the elite, um, the mighty men uh, that surrounded David and some of their exploits. One of them called Benaiah. Um, some of the things he did, they went down to a pit in a, in a snowy day and he, he, he killed a lion. On another occasion there was an Egyptian with a, a massive spear and it says that this man went and he snatched the spear out of his hand before defeating him. And of course the point is, you know, he had the power to do that. You know, he was elite and he had that kind of ability to snatch it. Well, you know, there's nobody going to snatch us, no matter who it is. Let's, let's be assured of that because of the greatness of Christ. Now this is not talking about the fact that we may not have difficulties and concerns in life. We're not going to be immune to that, and chapter 11 will make that very clear of course in the incident regarding Mary, Martha and Lazarus. But we will never perish. We will never perish. We will never be spiritually lost. The gift of eternal life which has been bestowed upon those who have placed their faith in Christ, that will never be revoked. Nothing will happen that will ever, ever alter the fact that you have eternal life. You will not forfeit that. It will not be taken away from you. We have absolute confidence as far as Christ's great salvation is concerned. Those of us who believe in Christ, we, of course, will fall and we will falter at times and we will make mistakes and we might even backslide for a significant period of time in life. But if we are a genuine child of God, we'll come back, we will endure to the end, we will persevere in the faith and Christ will hold us fast. And this is taught in numerous places uh, in our Bibles. If you were to go, for instance, to John chapter 17, this is the night of the betrayal. This is the night before Calvary. And Jesus is praying and he prays and he mentions his disciples and he says this about them to his father. I kept them, I kept them in your name. I have guarded them and none of them has been lost except the son of perdition, Judas, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. When Paul writes to his friends, the Philippians, that first church in continental Europe to, to receive Christ, he goes back and he thinks about the jailer and his family, the women beside the river, and he writes this, He who began, way back then, who began that good work in you, he will carry it on to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He'll carry it through. It will be brought forward to its fulfillment because it's his work. He started it and he will end it. It's up to him. In Romans 8, there's a very interesting passage at verse 30 that talks about the purposes of God. It says, for instance, those that God justified, he also glorified. Now we can understand the idea of being justified 
being in the past tense. This is something God did. But glorified, does that not refer to heaven? Does that not refer to being in the presence of God one day in the future? Well, yes, it does. But he doesn't put it in the future tense. He, he writes it in the past tense. And the point that he's making, of course, is that for those who have been justified, you know, who have the righteousness of Christ decreed to them, you know, it's guaranteed. Glory is as good as has happened already. There's no doubt about it at all. And that's why he puts it, interestingly, in the past tense in this verse. And then, of course, you have that wonderful passage in Hebrews chapter 10, thinking about the work of Christ, he says to these Hebrew believers, since we have confidence then to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way, let us draw near in the full assurance of faith. He says that's how you have to come. Not reluctantly, cautiously, feeling that you don't, you don't belong there. No, with confidence and with a sense of full assurance, you boldly come into the presence of God. You do belong there because of what Christ has done. But you might be saying, are there not other passages actually, particularly in the book of Hebrews, which seem to indicate that somebody might lose their salvation, that you can have it today and because of something you've done you might, you might lose it again tomorrow, and that we can't have that degree of confidence or, or assurance that you're talking about. Well, there are certainly some difficult passages in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, uh, from verse 4 being, being one of them. That's the passage that says that it's impossible in the case of those people who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and tasted the goodness of the Word of God and so forth, that if they have fallen away to restore them again, to repentance since they have crucified the Son of God all over again. You see, surely that, that's talking about somebody who's done something and they now forfeit, they lose their salvation. Well, if you look at these passages carefully, you'll find that actually what they are talking about are not true believers. They're what we call apostates. They're people who have who've given the appearance, who, who at one level have been attracted to the things of Christ, who've been enlightened uh, to some extent, and, and, and some of us have known people like that, personally. And yet, at the end of the day, they've turned their back on that and renounced it completely because they never actually had it in the first place. And if you read further down in Hebrews chapter 6, there's an analogy about the rain falling from heaven, if you like, on these people, but all that they produce is thorns and thistles. And of course, the true test of a genuine Christian is, is the fruit. And in their case, it was thorns and, and thistles. And by the fruit, you know them. And uh, he says again in this passage, But on the other hand, although I've mentioned this, 
we are persuaded better things of you. So I think if you look at these passages that have caused an awful, an awful lot of upset to people and caused an, an awful lot of anxiety over the, the state of somebody's soul, you'll find that, in fact, they're warning passages to those who just have a, a semblance, who have a veneer, an appearance of the things of God and who don't possess that uh, at all. In fact, the degree of security that we have, as we go back to John chapter 10 and see the analogy that is being used here, is actually emphasised much more than I have even described. Because of what it says, actually, when you go to verse 29 is this, that no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And so... There's a kind of double-handed grip that is, is, is described here. I am in the hollow of Christ's hand. He holds me there. And at the same time, that hand is enclosed in the hand of the Father. And there's this double-strengthening grip that keeps me safe. And I couldn't be more secure. And so many of our hymns pick up on this, you know. And they pick up on it absolutely correctly. When I fear, my faith may fail. Christ will hold me fast. He'll hold me fast. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Or as we've heard sung already today, the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose. He will not, he cannot desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavour to shake, he'll never, no never, no never forsake. What a wonderful position to be in, to know that you'll never perish. And the reason for that. The reason that you will never experience the judgment of God, that you will never have to stand before God because of your sin and be accountable for that, is because of Christ and his work, the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, who said it is finished. And by that he meant it was completed. It was done perfectly, never requiring to be repeated. And because of the merit, and because of the value, and because of the sufficiency of Christ's work, that's what holds me fast. And that's why I will never be moved. And that's why I'm secure, and I will never be snatched from his hand. It's because of Christ's work. His hand upon me, holding me, is far greater than my little hand trying to hold onto him. And that's why Paul, when he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, is able to say this, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted unto him against that day. I have entrusted my soul into the keeping of Christ. 
I have entrusted the welfare of my soul for all eternity into the care of Christ. And I know that he's able to keep that. Of course he is. Or as Peter puts it, I'm kept, chapter 1, I'm kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, which is going to be revealed at the last day. So this is our, our bridge passage. On the one hand, chapter 9, a blind man cast out of the synagogue by the religious leaders into social isolation. Chapter 11, a bereaved family affected by the loss of their brother. In the middle, chapter 10, a shepherd who holds them in his hand. No one can snatch them out of his hands. He gives to them eternal life and they'll never perish. What a wonderful assurance. What a wonderful thing to know, to have confidence in Christ that your salvation is secure. I wonder if we all have that today, that level of confidence, because we can have it and we can have it today as we look to the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now shall we pray. Lord, as we reflect on the words of Jesus, help us all to enjoy the assurance, the confidence of salvation and of never perishing and to be free from the anxiety and the concern of just not knowing what the future will hold. We think of the words of Scripture, unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory uh, with, with exceeding great joy. To you, the only God, our Saviour, we ascribe glory and majesty, power and dominion, both now and forever. Amen.